This week in Revolt Black News, we got a glimpse into the finals. Jimmy Butler said, if you want to win, you have to go through a LeBron-led team. Well, similar to that sentiment, whoever our next president is must go through us, the black community, because we are the very foundation and bedrock of this country. So whoever is inaugurated on January 20th, 2021, it will be because of us and what we choose to do or not do on election day. So where do we stand? Trump has his platinum plan and Biden has his lift every voice plan. But the most important question I ask you is not if you watch the debate, but are you watching everything? Are you watching what's happening right before our very eyes? 2020 has been one of the toughest games played at the expense of black lives. But now it's the finals and the worst thing we can do is play ourselves. Y'all, there's only one month till election day, so no more games. Welcome to Revolt Black News. I'm your host, Ebony K. Williams. Now, of course, this was a big week with the very first presidential debate. Y'all, we got a lot to unpack. So helping me out is activist and TV personality, Char Bates, and longtime and legendary music producer, Mr. Dallas Austin. Welcome to you both and welcome to the show. So in terms of Trump and Biden's overall delivery, uh, Dallas, I'll start with you. What'd you think? It was a train wreck. I mean, I, I think that, you know, it's, it's like... <laughs> It was, it was just sad because, you know, for one, that's not how you really give a debate. And to be fair to everybody, whatever, you know, Republicans or Democrats, you have to be able to hear them out, you know, and hear each person state how they feel about everything. And I just think Trump um, just kind of just over bullied his way through the comments. It's just getting aggravating. I didn't feel like I ever got a, um, any sense of what he was going to do as a president if he stayed in office. Um, it was just a bunch of rhetoric, I just felt like. All right, Shaw, what about for you? How did you think Biden dealt overall with Trump's antics? I don't think he did good. I do not think he did good. It was very painful to watch. Um, he had so many backs. I, it was like, I know other people had to be at home screaming like, why didn't you say this? Why didn't you say that? If you notice, while Trump was talking, if Biden interrupted him, he kept talking and he didn't allow him to interrupt him. But while Biden was talking and Trump was interrupting him, he literally would stop what he was saying and he was feeding into his energy instead of ignoring yep. it, staying focused and staying on topic. He answering the rebuttals. I'm like, bro, what about the moderator? Trump's, uh, his tactics are to railroad you. Uh, and to get you off your game, and and Biden's got to be, uh, I think, a bit more ready for that. Frankly, uh, it's a it's a Fox News tactic. You have to stay on your message, and you can't, like you said, Char, uh, speak to the rebuttal. I was so frustrated when Biden allowed Trump to say, "Oh, it's all good with my my Trump rallies, and COVID didn't affect anything." Bruh, how? Where is Herman Cain? <laughs> Where's Hurricane? I thought the same thing. Um, I want to ask you both about one of the biggest headlines coming out of Tuesday's debate. He shouted out the Proud Boys and he said verbatim, stand back and stand by. Would you like me to condemn Proud Boys? Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. Dallas Austin, what's your reaction? That was, that actually literally, I was like, did he really just say that and wink his eye? 
instantly after that, all you saw was tweets from the Proud Boys going, okay, that's the green light, let's go, let's go. The Proud Boys is a racist, radical group. And by Trump standing behind them, he made it very clear that he is going to protect them when it comes down to it. So listen, I want to ask you both about uh, the notion of defunding the police. Um, that was uh, front and center on the debate stage Tuesday night. I want to ask you both if you think the issue of defunding the police was adequately addressed at the debate. Dallas. I mean, I, I think that it was used for the political advantage that, that, that Trump want to use it for from his side. Like he ran and said, I'm going to run for the blue. I'm gonna run. Not one time did he say anything about Brianna or anything about Floyd, anything about any of those issues at all. He has to stay away from that because his audience now that is supporting him, like he always says, those people out there marching, those are not my voters. You're right. The right. ones that show voters are the ones over here rallying and, and running over people and all that stuff. And so he will never get on a public platform and embrace anything other than what he what his heritage has come from. You know, it's almost like one of us saying, hey, you want to go and, and denounce Black Lives Matter or, or denounce uh, Black Power? Uh, we know Trump is not going to say Black Lives Matter for all the reasons Dallas just articulated. Um, now, while he did invoke the name of George Floyd, Biden didn't say the words Black Lives Matter either. Uh, what's your reaction to that? Honestly, I was hoping that Trump or Biden or both stood up more and made a clear separation between the peaceful protesters and the people that's doing anarchy. And when they don't do that, they put our lives in danger. And that's the problem that I've been had with Trump. You put our lives in danger, not separating the two. The Biden didn't support defunding the police either, though. I know. Even Biden, something that I didn't care for that he said, he said, well, the majority of police officers are great. I'm sorry, because people are out, millions mm -hmm. of people are out there fighting about this right now. Like, this could all be shortened really quick if we change some of these policing laws, but y'all would rather spend millions and billions of dollars on everything else. Yeah, I, don't think they should, I don't think that they should be defunding the police, they got to refund them in a way where they're funded in the right areas. Because even in Atlanta, when the, when the, when the, when the riots and stuff started, you know, obviously we, I have friends that's, that are police officers. You know, I have, I have friends that I saw people throwing bottles of pee on and you know, the mayor had told them to basically stand down. Don't make this any worse. Just take it. The first thing that, that, I, that you got to do is send a message that if police get out of line like that, they're going to be dealt with like a, like a person would. If you go in and shoot somebody in their house, you got to look at the facts and then say, okay, whether they're police or not, that's wrong. What's sad is, I have to be honest with you, Dallas, what's sad is, is that, you know, people will take, people will take that one incident of someone throwing pee on a police officer and run that clip all day long. Ask them how yep. many out of 100 police officers had pee thrown on them. And then ask me how many out of 100 protesters were arrested, were beaten, mm -hmm. were tear gassed. Someone was just killed by APD just last week. But crickets. Mm -hmm. We didn't get a press conference on that. We're not going to get one on it. We're only going to get it on when it fits certain rhetorics. And I keep talking about it. I'm going to talk about it every damn week. Officers are allowed to use deadly force when they deem it reasonably in fear. That could mean anything until that standard, y'all, is changed to one of necessity, where a cop has to prove it was necessary to open fire and use deadly force on civilians. We're not going to have no accountability. So that's that's where that accountability part has to start. Um, so with that, um, I want to close out by asking you both this as painful as it was for us to watch. If you had to give a winner, Dallas Austin, who won the debate? 
I mean, if I had to give a winner of that particular situation, <laughs> I just can't remember anything that Trump said towards uh, working towards anything. It was just a whole bunch of just uh, rah, 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 rah. so at least I could hear <laughs> some of the things that Biden and at least I know I feel like this man cares. I'm, I am looking forward to um, the Harris Pence um, debate next week because I think that he does, he never really says anything and she is more the one who's the, the, the aggressor in this situation to me. I feel like it's going to be exactly the opposite. I feel like she's going to drag him like Trump <laughs> was doing whatever. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. They should have let her go because she would have took. Now she would have wore him out. So that's that. His voice box is her, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's a it's a reason my sword should have been at the top of the ticket. That's all I'm saying. But uh, because yeah, she's basically trained in the art of of dragging your ass. That's what that's what she spent her career doing as a prosecutor. I know what everybody does. They're gonna say we didn't like either one of them, so we're not voting. That's how he won last time. So I I, I know how you feel about that, but just go vote either way. What's more important is local politics, because last time I checked, the president did not decide what was going on with COVID in your area. Your mayors and your governors did and your elected officials. So pay attention to local politics, y'all. We have to get more involved. All right, Shar and Dallas, listen, thank you both so much for your insights and your thoughts as we lead up to the election, really, of a lifetime. All right, y'all stay tuned. We've got more debate breakdown later in the show with Reverend Al Sharpton and Michael Singleton. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we've got your headlines. There's more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. These are today's headlines. Now we're going to start with some Breonna Taylor news. Now, despite Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron's motion to delay the release of the grand jury's transcripts, the judge is only giving Cameron until noon this Friday. Cameron filed the motion to delay because the recordings are allegedly 20 hours long and his office claims they need ample time to redact personal identifiers from the jury. Now, as usual, we're going to stay on this case, y'all, and keep you updated as everything develops. But in the meantime, we want you to know two things. Number one, the release of this transcript is all thanks to an unidentified juror who claims that he feels the AG is using the grand juries as a shield to deflect from his accountability and responsibility. Also, number two, the ballistic report that was recently surfaced does not confirm that the bullet that has been alleged to have hit an officer the night of Taylor's death actually came from the gun of her boyfriend. And I think that's really important because in this narrative around this sister's tragic killing, um, some people are using the fact that allegedly her boyfriend shot a cop to defend it. And we just want to make it clear that that reporting is inconclusive. Now, NBC News is reporting to have obtained internal Department of Homeland Security talking points that directed federal law enforcement officials to make sympathetic comments about Kyle Rittenhouse. Now, Rittenhouse, of course, was the teenager who fatally shot two protesters in Kenosha, Wisconsin last month. The talking points attempted to reframe Rittenhouse bringing a rifle to the scene so that he could, quote, defend small business owners. Hmm. And the New York Times published a report on President Trump's tax returns, showing that the man only paid $750 in federal taxes in 2016 and 2017. Now, more revelations include lavish consulting fees that experts attribute to his daughter, Ivanka, which looks like shady business dealings since she was already an executive officer at the Trump companies. 
The report also added that the self-proclaimed billionaire businessman had $421 million in loans, and he also claimed $315 million in losses since the year 2000. And if that's not enough, he apparently also spent $70,000 on hairstyling. Now, somebody said uh, on Twitter that for $70,000, why was the man's track showing uh, at the debate? Uh, I don't know. That was, that was Twitterverse talking. But this is what you, you want to know. Aside from what the data reveals about President Trump's tax returns, we have to talk about the fact that this man refused to release his tax returns before taking office. It's one of many examples where President Trump breaks precedent from all the presidents that came before him. All right, now in COVID news, the governor of Florida, Rick DeSantis, well, he recently signed an executive order to lift all COVID restrictions on businesses statewide. Let's take a look. In the state of Florida, uh, we are uh, today moving into uh, what we initially called phase three. Uh, and what that'll mean for the restaurants is that there will not be limitations uh, from this, the state of Florida. And in fact, uh, we're also cognizant about the need for business certainty. Uh, there have been some local closures and, um, and other types of restrictions. And so uh, the order that I'm signing today uh, will guarantee restaurants uh, operate, uh, will not allow closures. Uh, they can operate uh, at a minimum of 50% regardless of local rule. And then if a local restricts between 50 and 100, they've got to provide the justification and they've got to identify what the costs are involved with doing that are. And here's what the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Fauci, had to say. Well, that is very concerning to me. I mean, I have, we have always said that myself and Dr. Deborah Burks, who's the coordinator of the task force, that that is something we really need to be careful about because when you're dealing with community spread and you have the kind of congregate setting where people get together, particularly without masks, you're really asking for trouble. Now's the time actually to double down a bit. And I don't mean close. When I say that, people get concerned that we're talking about shutting down. We're not talking about shutting anything down. We're talking about common sense type of public health measures that we've been talking about all along. And in some positive news, the city of Newark launched the Newark Fam Fund. This is for black and Latinx business owners. Mayor Roz J. Baraka and Reverend Al Sharpton announced the first of its kind initiative that seeks to raise $100 million in investable capital aiming to tackle and close racial wealth gaps faced by people of color. I want to say congrats to all involved and wish them the very best in achieving their goal. And the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, is forming a task force to both research and develop proposals for reparations of the descendants of American slaves. Now, in the bill Newsom signed into law, it calls for a nine-member body to study the long-term effects of how slavery benefited public and private institutions, unemployment, wealth, housing, health care, and education. And the group can also recommend to the state legislator how to offer a formal apology. Now, I don't know about y'all, but my apology language is acts of reparations. So how fitting that this is exactly how Governor Newsom is aiming to remedy it. And in sports, with a disappointing end to the Clippers' playoff run, Doc Rivers has stepped down from his head coaching position, which the chairman, Steve Ballmer, called a mutual decision. Yeah, this one hurt, right? Uh, with the acquisition of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, the Clippers really were looked at as a championship contender for this season. Uh, they completely had a meltdown, and with a shocking loss to the Denver Nuggets, Doc Rivers, well, 
he had to answer for not meeting those expectations from management and from fans. So as usual, the head coach had to eat it. And last night kicked off the NBA Finals between the Lakers and the Miami Heat, with the Lakers coming out victorious in Game 1. Now LeBron is looking for his first title in a Lakers jersey, while Jimmy Butler looks for his first title in any jersey. Now we're going to have much more on the NBA Finals and all things sports later on in the show with the help of Diamond DeShields, so stay tuned. We've got more Revolt Black news after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Now, we're going to take a deeper dive into this presidential debate. We're going to bring in some A-list experts to help us do it. We've got political consultant, Mr. Shermichael Singleton. Also, the legendary activist, Reverend Al Sharpton is with us. The Rev's book, Rise Up, Confronting a Country at the Crossroads, was just released a couple of days ago. Welcome to you both. Thank you. All right. Now, last night, Chris Wallace moderated the debate. Uh, and while he did scold President Trump for being out of hand and not following the rules, Shermichael, you sent out uh, a tweet that resonated with a whole lot of us. You said this. I wish I moderated this debate. I would stop the entire goddamn debate and make it clear to Trump. If you're going to keep acting like a damn child, walk off stage, have a time out and then come back when you're ready. But if you're going to be here, you will follow the rules. Um, so, Shermichael, care to elaborate? I mean, of course, this is a very serious issue, Ebony, a presidential debate. And while 90 per 89, 90 percent of the country have decided, there's still about 11 percent, according to a recent NBC Wall Street Journal poll, that are undecided. So those individuals, that small 11 percent, will likely be the individuals who decide which direction this election goes, which means those people need to be able to hear Joe Biden as much as they heard Donald Trump. And you cannot do that when someone is behaving like a child, continuously interrupting, being antagonistic towards the moderator. That's not the way this process should work. Uh, Reverend Sharpton, I want to get you in here. Uh, It's actually just being reported just now that the committee on presidential debates, they're changing the rules because uh, this Tuesday night debate was such a hot ass mess. And one of those changes could include even muting uh, the candidates microphones if they don't adhere to the rules. What do you think about that, Reverend Sharpton? Yeah, I read that uh, just flashed across the wires what the commission is doing. I think they had no choice because it was such outrage given by people. It was not a debate. It was a debacle. And people were actually urging Biden not to do another debate. So I think that the commission had to do something to salvage their own future debates, the vice presidential one and two more presidential ones. Yeah, Reverend uh, Sharpton, you've known Trump a long time, and I know you've crossed paths with him uh, many, many times throughout your work in the community. And I know you actively uh, marched and and protested against him, of course, when he was calling for the killing of five uh, innocent black boys during the Central Park Five, as well as his housing discriminations against blacks and others in the 1970s and so on. So when you hear Trump indict Joe Biden about his participation in the 1994 crime bill. What goes through your mind? What goes through my mind is the height of hypocrisy, because not only did Donald Trump call for the uh, execution and killing of five innocent young men, he was sued uh, for housing discrimination. Mm -hmm. And the fact is that uh, when you look at the uh, record, what I would have answered uh, if I were Joe Biden I would have said what Biden has said publicly, that he could not justify the 94 crime bill, but he has said publicly that uh, it had unintentional consequences. 
But Mr. President, you support crime bill now. You have called for now to have stop and frisk. So let's not talk about 94. Let's talk about right now. Right now, you support stop and frisk and, and things that are equal to the crime bill. So we don't have to go back in the past. Let's deal with tonight what you support. I no longer support that and regret what I did. That's how Biden should have answered it. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant answer, Reverend Sharpton. Go ahead and uh, text that to uh, Vice President Biden, please. Because uh, that's, that's exactly how I need to answer at the next debate. Okay, so Michael, we all saw that Chris Wallace did ask President Trump to publicly denounce white supremacy, full stop. He didn't do it. In fact, what he said, uh, he called out the Proud Boys, specifically a notoriously far-right and white supremacist organization, and said to them, Proud Boys, stand back and stand by. And since the Proud Boys have taken it and ran with it, they've already got a graphics logo and slogan and everything going on. So Michael, this is my question. Um, obviously this man has no intention of denouncing white supremacy. To me, he plainly aligns with it. So what is your message to black Trump supporters? Because the reality is 13% of black men voted for Donald Trump in the 2016 election and polls say he's still enjoying some black support. What do you say to the black Trump supporter? I think people need to vote their conscience. I'm a conservative. I have always been a conservative. And I mean, even in the beginning, I initially attempted to try to work with the administration as deputy chief of staff of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. One, because housing is such a critical issue for African-Americans. Two, because I worked with former candidate uh, Ben Carson at the time. Uh, and I realized, you know, this is just trying to work with some folks that just wasn't an easy thing. And they clearly got rid of me because of some of my previous views and, and public statements about the president. With that said, I don't think President Trump, and the Reverend I've discussed this before, I don't think Donald Trump has accomplished things that are so insurmountable that a more traditional Republican could not have accomplished. And so I say that to say that perhaps this should be an opportunity for the Republican Party to reset itself. And so if you're an African-American, I would argue you have more of a moral and ethical obligation, if you will, to be more critical of the Republican Party because you are a minority in the party and you're also a minority with, among African-Americans. And so for me personally, I feel a greater sense of responsibility to articulate some of the concerns for our community, if you will. And that means holding the party as a whole more accountable, particularly the president, so that you can then go into the community and say, this is why you should perhaps listen to some of the policy positions of the Republican Party. But Ebony, you cannot do that until the party itself becomes whole. And a part of becoming whole means you have the right leaders leading the party. And from my perspective, that's not President Trump. Reverend Sharpton, let me ask you this real quick. How do you think what we saw Tuesday night impacts uh, the preparation for Senator Kamala Harris uh, as she prepares to debate against VP Pence? I think that it she she's gonna be tight and ready. She comes prepared. And Pence is a lot of, of a different personality. He's going to be prepared and more pensive. I think it'll be more of a substantive debate. But So I think it will be an intelligent debate. And before I let you go, if you had to declare a winner of Tuesday night's uh, debacle slash debate, who, who would you give it to? Oh, I think Biden won by default. I think that Trump uh, clowned so, so he did not gain any ground. And I think Biden gained. I think Biden could have been more aggressive on crime bill and others, but I think he gained because he looked more presidential. I hear you. Uh, Sher Michael, who do you think won last uh, Tuesday night? 
I mean, I, I agree with, with the Rev. I think Vice President Biden arranged Supreme. And, and there were some aspects where I thought Trump should have been able, Ebony, to have a better command of the issues. Criminal justice reform, had the second, I, I was surprised by that. Uh, issues of the economy, I thought that he would have gotten into more specificity. And so, look, even though there were some aspects of uh, former Vice President Joe Biden's uh, policy positions that I didn't necessarily agree with as a conservative, I did find him thoughtful. And overall, I found him to be, as someone who's worked for three presidential candidates, Reverend Al knows this better than the two of us. He's been on the base stage multiple times during his uh, previous run, that he is someone who, who literally studied the issues. Listen, we're going to leave it there. Reverend Al Sharpton, Shermichael, thank you both so much for coming to help try to make some sense. Thank you. Uh, experience. Everybody, please pick up Rev's new book. Now, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, it's Black Excellence and Entertainment. We've got more Revolt Black News after this. Welcome back to Revolt Black News. Now it's time to get into this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment. Joining me is a very special guest. He's a longtime friend of mine, a good Tar Heel. Uh, haven't seen him since the college days. Uh, he's here. He's the general manager for Candy Coated Entertainment, Candy Burris' production company. What's going on, Don Juan? Hey, Ebony. I'm so glad to be here with you. Like, this is like a full circle moment. Ah. Listen, like we right back on the yard. Okay, so <laughs> fresh off of signing her recent overall deal with ABC Studios, Disney is tapped Yara Shahidi to play Tinkerbell in their upcoming live action adaptation of Peter Pan. Don Juan, you know, this young lady is, is truly making boss moves. She's incredible. She's grown up right before our very eyes. Um, are we here for Yara as Tinkerbell? I'm absolutely here for Yara as Tinkerbell. I think this is one of those things where ABC and Disney know that this is something that in this moment we have to do. We have to have more of people of color in roles that they weren't normally playing. We've had a black superhero. We've had all of these things. So Yara in this role, I think it's amazing. I think next we need a black Peter Pan. I think we need to keep pushing the boundaries for the black voice to be seen and black characters and people that I think there's some people that may not be happy about it. But for me, I think most black people are here ready with their popcorn, ready to eat, ready to be like, I'm watching Tinkerbell. I may not even be here for the rest of the show. So I think it's going to be great. Okay, we've got more Yara Shahidi news. Mattel is relaunching, yes, a brand new Barbie doll designed as Yara herself, and she'll be wearing a Vote t-shirt. And that's one of the things, Don, what I love about Yara, in addition to her great work as an actress and an artist, um, she's extremely active in her political activism and engagement. And uh, I think this Barbie is exactly what uh, young girls need across this country. Barbie for sure lets people know you can look like her and be on TV. You can have a Barbie. You can have all of these amazing things. And I think it's a great thing just for little girls of color, but also just for us as a race. All right. Now, Nicki Minaj is getting bilingual with the award season. She's actually becoming the first female rapper to receive a Latin Grammy nomination for her collaboration on Tusa with Carol G. The song's actually garnered two nominations for Nicki, both Record of the Year and Song of the Year. So congratulations to Nicki and all the barbs. Are we here for Nicki's Grammy nominations? I think this is amazing. Nicki has been nominated a few times for Grammys, but has yet to win. So I think this 
because she's the first woman uh, rapper in this category um, and also with the Latin Grammys, I think this will be great for her just overall. She's getting ready to be a mother. I think this is the year of first for Nikki. So we're going to go ahead and say Nikki's going to get this Grammy, but she's also going to have a healthy baby soon. So I'm very much here for her to win, if not one, but both of the, the Grammy um, nominations that she received, because I think this is a really good look for her. I think she should get both of them. Absolutely. All right. And in some Netflix news, Nigerian producer and TV host Moa Dubu's new film, Ola Toure, premieres tomorrow on the streamer. Now, this film, it's about a journalist who goes undercover to expose the world of human trafficking. And Don Juan, it's important to know here that her production company is actually the first African production company to have a multi-title deal with Netflix. So this is major, right? Wow. This is definitely major. I watched the trailer. This movie is gritty. This is something that it's hitting about a human trafficking, but I think it's just great because it shows that Netflix is at the forefront of hitting those voices that most people probably have not paid attention to. They've added black content, such as old shows that we love, such girlfriends, Monique to their content. And now they're going after African um, content to say, hey, we know that you are important to us. People. All right, now, so legendary television producer Jesse Collins, he's going to be the first ever black executive producer of the Super Bowl halftime show coming up in February. The appointment comes after Rock Nation and Pepsi proudly made the announcement. So listen, congrats, Jesse, who, as Jay-Z says, is yes. fluent in artistic vision. Absolutely. Jesse Collins yes. is a huge deal in the it's business. Um, are we uh, here for this? Yes, I think this is something like, first of all, why hasn't this happened before? Jesse Collins has produced like Grammy shows and the biopic for New Edition, a whole bunch of other things in our culture that everybody knows and loves. But he's also just an amazing producer. We've had amazing halftime shows from a lot of black artists. But why haven't we had any black executives behind the scenes at the halftime show? So I think this right here is definitely a great, great thing for Jesse for the movement and all of this, because I'm sure that this is probably going to be one of the halftime shows that we have never seen anything like it. If Jesse Collins is putting his name on it, trust me. Oh, facts. It's no way we are going to have ever seen anything like it. I'm excited about it. And you know, the truth is, Don Juan, this is a direct result of Jay-Z's involvement uh, with the NFL and, and, and some of the partnerships that he's doing with the league. And I know, um, I think there's fair criticism um, around that relationship, but you know, it also has uh some some benefits and i think this is one of them that we're seeing Absolutely. right now with jesse collins this. putting this his stamp yeah yeah his stamp on the halftime show this is going to be big also to note jesse is going to be an executive producer alongside andre the great harrell on the upcoming uptown records miniseries and i cannot wait to see that that's i can't wait Lastly, this weekend, Saturday Night Live kicks off its 46th season with a live studio audience. Chris Rock is set to host and Meg The Stallion will be the musical guest. Um, I love them both. I love Meg. I'm a longtime Chris Rock fan. Um, so I cannot wait to see him go in, especially pre-election, right? Yes, I think this is great. Chris Rock has done SNL probably like three times. Make the Stallion, this is her debut. This has been a big year for her. Like she released Savage and honestly, she had some things with her label. They didn't want her to release it. She made a hit record out of it, but she's also had some other headlines with the Tory Lanez thing. And I think this is the first time for her to hit primetime TV and show everybody she's a bona fide star here to stay. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a new song, a new album that premieres. I think this is just great for both of them. Absolutely.
Absolutely. And I'm here um, for for all of it, Don Juan. And I want Meg to know we love her. You know what I mean? Like you said, it's been it's been some great highs for Meg Thee Stallion. It's been some some challenges for this sister. So I think this is a perfect way um, for her to really make her debut on Saturday Night Live and know that uh, the culture does have love for Meg Thee Stallion. Don Juan, this was really so special to matriculate uh, on Carolina's campus with you as kids and now to show up as grown-ass professionals working in this industry together. Um, what a special, special moment. Thank you so much for helping us out with this week's Black Excellence in Entertainment. Now, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Diamond DeShields joins us for important headlines in sports. We've got more Revolt Black News after this. You look at the history of time and there's always been one or two that has put themselves on the line. If I kept my mouth shut just because I can make millions and then this ain't doing nothing. So I just love the freedom and the flesh and blood of my people more so than I do the money. And I'm supposed to stand up there and look at a flag from my hand over my heart saying how proud I am because the flag has represented me. I don't think so. Russell was a guy who called himself black. That was an offensive term when I grew up. But Russell called himself black and was proud of it. The first thing goes folks, can you do the job? Yes. The most important factor is respect. And basketball respects the man for his ability, period. Using our voice, standing beside my sisters, standing beside my brothers, um, and doing it together. I think that's the biggest thing. For me to be on TV and see a young black girl that looks at me and say, hey, I, I can do what she's doing, and see that Breonna Taylor on my back and know that I'm fighting for something more, hey, that makes it worth coming here. What are we doing to create change? It's not about being a role model. It's not about our responsibilities for the tradition of activism. Let's use this moment as a call to action for all professional athletes to educate ourselves, explore these issues, speak up, go back to our communities, help rebuild them, help strengthen them, help change them. We all have to do better. Revolt Black News. Now it's a whole lot going on in the sports world. So here to help me break down all the recent events, she's a guard for the Chicago Sky, Miss Diamond DeShields. Diamond, thank you and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. All right, so we're actually going to start with the NFL. Now the NFL has not been playing their season in a bubble model the way the NBA and WNBA have been doing. Recently, the Tennessee Titans have had three players and five personnel members test positive for COVID-19. Donna, what's your reaction to the way the NFL is handling COVID uh, compared to that of the WNBA and NBA? Well, I think that it makes a lot of sense for them to not be in a bubble just because it's, it's hard enough for the NBA and the WNBA with the amount of players we have, but the NFL is much, much larger. Like you're talking like triple, quadruple the size of an NBA bubble. So I just think financially and finding the space, it would be really difficult to put those guys in a bubble. So I understand that the league is doing the best that they can. I have friends that are in the NFL and you know I've talked with them about their experience. It's something like a bubble, but you know, at the same time, there's so many of those guys, it's hard to just contain them all. 
Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, also, Diamond, starting next week uh, or in the coming weeks, a couple of these NFL teams are going to start to let limited amounts of fans inside of some of these stadiums. What's your take on that? I mean, I have no problem with it. Those arenas are incredibly large. I think that it's easy. It'll be fairly easy to have fans in and social distance and also um, the safety of the players to still be prioritized. Um, at the end of the day, you're talking about NFL football where uh, fan interaction, reaction is such a huge part in sports. And to me, I think that it would bring comfort as a fan watching um, to know that there are fans in the arena. So I hope to see that element implemented and I'm looking forward to it. So a little bit more NFL news, Diamond. Uh, they made history last week in the NFL with three women on the field at the same time. We had Callie Brownson, who's the Browns chief of staff. Jennifer King, who is the Washington football team full-year coaching intern, and then Sarah Thomas as a referee. Do you think the NFL is um, making the appropriate kind of progress when it comes to women uh, in the league, Diamond, or do you think they continue to lag behind the WNBA, uh, of course, and, and the NBA as it comes to these social justice and women's empowerment issues? I mean, I think that they're a little behind. I mean, and obviously, as a female we're always usually given the short end of the stick. Um, but you see it with African-American coaches as well. You know, the NFL is behind on a few um, diversity aspects of coaching and what have you. Um, but it is nice to see females being involved in the team um, and in the game. I, I look forward to seeing more women on the field um, and making an impact in the NFL because incredibly talented smart, knowledgeable women out there who just need an opportunity. Okay, so uh, we know he's never one uh, short of words, Charles Barkley, of course, and uh, he's getting a lot of criticism for the culture, Diamond, for comments that he made this week about the uh, killing of sister Breonna Taylor. Charles said that Breonna Taylor shouldn't be put in the same box as George Floyd because Breonna Taylor's boyfriend shot at the, the officers. And uh, a couple things on that. We know ballistic reports have come out saying that it's inconclusive whether or not Brianna's boyfriend's bullets actually hit law enforcement. And the other thing, in the state of Kentucky, which is where this happened, it's completely lawful uh, for, for you to have a gun in your home with or without a, a, a permit. This man had a permit, actually. And Castle Doctrine says you do get to use deadly force when someone is, is putting violent threats into your home. So, um, Diamond, what do you think about Charles Barkley's comments about Brianna Taylor? Well, I believe that all the backlash and the criticism that he's receiving is completely justified. Um, it's incredibly disappointing uh, that he would, as a black man, make the statements that he has, um, given the state of our country right now and where we are as a black community, um, and understanding that black bodies are falling all around us at the hands of police officers. I just I can't wrap my mind around why he would say what he said. Um, and yeah, it's just incredibly disappointing. You know, I would, you would hope that someone like Charles with his platform would speak more appropriately about topics such as this one. But, you know, like I said, it's incredibly disappointing. Yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, I agree with you, Diamond. Everybody does have a right to their opinion. But I appreciate when the opinion's informed. And it's clear to me the way Charles Barkley spoke uh, out of turn and without actual facts and knowledge about the so-called shooting cops, all that, 
Uh, brother, just inform your opinion before you speak on the issue. That's what I would say to Charles. So moving on to, uh, again, the Lakers and the Heat. They're going to have a face-off. Who you got in the finals, Diamond? I can't go against the King. I mean, I love my, I love this Miami team. I love the way they've been playing. I love Jimmy Butler. I can't go against the King. I hear you. I hear you. It is, I mean, listen, LeBron James, um, as a man, as a as an iconic figure in the culture, um, I'm just utterly impressed and grateful for this brother opening schools. I mean, he's just really showing up in every space. That said, when it comes to sports, for some reason, Diamond, I'm just always going to champion the underdogs, um, which, of course, is Jimmy Butler and this Miami Heat team. So I, I got them in these finals. We'll see. I probably will be wrong, um, but that's just me going with the underdogs. All right, Diamond. So the WNBA are starting their finals round this Friday. Uh, who you got in the WNBA finals? You know, I, I'm going to have to go with Seattle. Um it's just based on the amount of depth that they have. They have a, a fully healthy roster. Um, and it's, it's, um, Asia's having a great, great season, MVP season. Um, but to see the injuries that Vegas has dealt with and the American Handy late, obviously Kelsey Plum not being in the bubble at all, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be a really tall task for Asia. Asia Wilson and then Las Vegas Aces to take on Brianna Stewart and Seattle Storm. So I'm going to go with Seattle. Thank you, Diamond, so much for your insights and for using your platform to speak out. All right, y'all, now from sports to the presidential debate. We covered a lot tonight, and that's because we are a vast community and one that matters. Now, on that note, I'd be remiss if I didn't leave you with an alarming number. In 2016, only 60% of eligible Black voters voted in the general election. 60%. Y'all, that's barely better than a coin flip. In 2016, 40% of us did not show up for the other half of us. And that means we didn't show up for each other. Now, I want you to just imagine for a minute, what if 80, even 90% of eligible black voters cast our ballots in this election? Y'all, that's what a collective political action looks like. And that actually gives us a chance at seeing what happens when we all vote. That's exactly the resource I'm going to give you tonight. I want you to go to whenweallvote.org. Register to vote. Vote early. Do ballot tracking if you can. Let's just see what happens if in this election we all vote. Because there are zero repercussions to us voting as a collective. But there are several consequences, deadly consequences, even if we don't. For Revolt Black News, I'm Ebony K. Williams. See you next time.